Hey there, and thank you again for tuning in to Disaster Podcaster. My name is Clark Brown, or as I've been coined, the big angry boomer. There's more story about that later on. I'll tell you what that means. Uh, but Clark Brown, Restoration Advisor, is here, part of the team that uh, is, is nothing but coaches and consultants for the restoration and disaster industry. This podcast is just another way for us to just chill out and communicate, talk to people about the problems we have. And I'm not talking uh, about just the little problems. We get into the weeds. I think this industry is really, really big on avoiding the real sensitive topics, and we're not afraid to touch those. So we, we have conversation once a week on our podcast here, which can be viewed on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on one of your favorite podcast channels, which we're on Spotify, Google, Apple, you also, we have a video version that is on YouTube if you're more inclined to enjoy video content. Sometimes we have visualization, and if we do, we just put that into the bottom of the description for you to download for either way. So uh, welcome back. This actually is going to be our final episode for the season of 2022. So if you're watching this one and this is your first one, the good news is you can go back and find all of our old episodes and catch up before we start season three coming in the beginning, uh, January of 2023. So we're going to take a little bit of break through the holidays, but, um, thanks for tuning back in today for a part four of a four part series that we have been created. So this is the final episode of what we consider a professional restore. We've been through the first three, the links will be down below so you can catch up on the whole series. So that you're not starting from, from the end, but I think that you can hop in anywhere. And I will also let you know that when you talk about what makes a professional restore professional specialist in this field or any trade, it could probably be 47 episodes because there's no way to capture everything that makes someone a professional. But what we tried to do was really from a, to, to, from a, from a high level beginning someone getting in this industry they want to know what what's going to make me stand out and be different and we sat down and drew up you know four different episodes and we, we were all the way from the first one at technical your technical acumen the structure of your business well today we're getting to pretty much and i really want you to listen and tune in it's just about being the example uh, i believe that in business you always have a lot of eyes on you. You have your employees, you have your customers, you have the industry and the public. And what you do makes you a professional. You can market all you want to, but if you don't act it out, if you don't follow it up with actions consistently, even when no one's watching, you won't be considered a professional. So before I get started, and, and as a precursor to get into next year, something we're going to do is I want to start showing my gratitude to this industry at the beginning of every podcast. And I'm going to do that by giving a shout out or, or um, accolades or just uh, congratulations or whatever it is to a restore or maybe sometimes two. But um, I, I get to meet and, and Toby that works here at Restoration Advisors with us, we get to meet and talk to and converse and fellowship with a lot of restores through our groups that we own, through people reaching out, contacting us for questions on something they heard us say or whatever. And we have a lot of access to a lot of really great people. Um, and, and I just want to start 
showcasing some of those folks. And these aren't humongous companies. These are not the guys that are on stage at the big events. These are not the guys, you know, flashy. These are the men and women that are in their market, grinding it out, failing like we are, having success, just trying to help customers one at a time, trying to raise a team, create, you know, superstars. And I just don't think they always feel like they're being acknowledged. So I'd like to shout out once a week to do that. So you're going to see that happen more often. And I want them to know that thousands of other people are going to hear their name and know that no matter how small and how small of impact you're making, it's really a lot bigger. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start out with today. Here we are, our final episode being filmed for 2022. And um, last week, I know you can't tell from the tan, but I was in Hawaii all last week with Toby, and we had a we had a client interaction. And um, we we want to thank Eco Clean of Hawaii. What a great team, um, Rui and Lidio, Brent, uh, Alex and Angel, Marcelli, Mar, uh, Marceau. I'm sorry if I'm Marcelo, yeah, Marcelo. Uh, you know, just again, a great team. Uh, really, really, uh, for Hawaii, for a small company, they are doing a lot better than they thought they were, I, I believe. And um, just really, just big students of the game. Every single year after year, they've added more technology. They put a new process in. But um, we went out, and, and not only are they now clients, but they're friends. And we don't work with anyone that aren't that don't become friends. So I will. I will say I consider all clients to be friends on some level, but we had a great time. This company is uh, about 12 to 15 years in business, you know, started out like a lot of us in carpet cleaning and evolved into what they're doing now have done some really cool, high profile specialty projects that some of them can't even be talked about. They're, um, national, you know, that's you know, NDAs were signed just for, um, confidentiality and whatnot, but just some really cool jobs that they had to overcome some real real obstacles uh being in hawaii i will tell anybody here it's you know it's a beautiful place but logistically it creates some challenges trying to run a company it's nothing they have different problems than they have here but they also don't have uh weather events so you've got a a, a bunch of restorers in hawaii just trying to help people on average day to day whether they be plumbing and failures or fires or mold remediation or whatnot so uh, spent the week, um, really helped work out some operational structure and framework so they can get to the next level. I think that's all they really were lacking was a little bit of a, a structure. And uh, I really look forward to those guys really, really growing their business. So shout out to EcoClean of Hawaii. You guys are killing it. I hope you watch this episode and realize that um, I'm willing to say it in public as well as in private. So you guys keep going on. So back to part four here today. Uh, our final episode of a professional restore throughout this series, we've gotten a lot of comments from people, um, which is exactly what I wanted. I, you know, whether it was YouTube or one of our Facebook pages, uh, the podcast themselves. And a lot of people have done as I ask, and I've invited additional comments and contributions to what makes them a professional. And they've been everything from, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm focused on it enough, but empathy. You've got you've to be an empathetic person. You've got to put the customer first, even before money um, in this industry. You've got to have a lot of things. I've mentioned it, and I don't think I'm focused on it enough. You've got to have grit. 
I mean, this is not an easy business in this economy, in this world. Insurance is very tough if you're working in a, a space where insurance plays a part of it. So I really want to want to think, you know, you've got to be all those things. But to be a professional means you've got to have grit but not hate. You, and, and, I, and I mentioned that in our leadership and culture, which was part number three. So today I want to just talk about being an example. I just want to run through some things that probably are common sense. And uh, as uh, you know, sometimes we just need reminders to make sure we're contributing in the way that we should be and that we think we are. Because sometimes we get lost in the fight, in the weeds, in the day-to-day. And um, I really can't express enough that when you're the example, when you're the professional, when you're the leader, it's, it's about what you're doing for everybody else. And everyone else is watching. And I think how you move forward in your business is all about how others around you professionally and personally uh, propel and, and build you up, make new collaborations. So I want to go through that list a little bit with you today as we finish out this season. And again, I invite you to tell me what I've missed. I'd like you to tell me what makes a professional. Now, go back and watch the other episodes because I may have mentioned what you're going to talk about, but that doesn't mean we can't expand upon it and, and show an example of what being a not professional in a certain area can be. So um, I want to talk about the impact and opportunity. So let's discuss first your employees. Uh, you are the example to your staff if, if you are indeed the leader of the company. Now, I know we have project managers that uh, consume our podcast, estimators, CFOs, all kinds of different positions. But there's not a position in your company that someone else isn't watching what you're doing. If you are a first-month tech, there might be veteran technicians that are watching you, and they can learn from you. You may not have come from this industry. You may have come from an entirely different field or profession, but what you knew there that you can bring here to help this industry, this organization that you can work for, might be the difference maker in changing that company. So you're always being watched. So we've got employees. I want everything that you do, your employees be proud. Uh, I wrote proud here. I want employees to feel like they're proud to work at that company, to wear that logo on the shirt, to drive a van with that phone number on the side, to to tell a customer that I'm proud to be part of this company and that you chose to call us because I think we have good leadership, we have good company, good processes, and we always do the right thing. So really make sure that everything you do, your employees are proud to work there. If they're not proud, you're going to see a lot of problems occur. Maybe some of the problems you have, maybe you haven't asked lately. Ask your employees, are you proud of working here? Is this a place where you're really, really, really enthused? To, are, are you behind what we're doing? Are you aligned with this? Does this make you feel great? Do you feel contributable? Employees that refer their family and friends. Now, what I mean there is I always ask the question, are you building a company to where the people that work for you are again proud so enthused about working there so believe in what you do as a company that they would allow you to work in their family's home you've got an employee and their mother father aunt uncle grandparents someone from church someone in the community that they know calls them and says you know hey listen i've had a flood or a fire or, or just whichever one of the types of services that you might cover 
could you guys help us out? I do know times where employees have told those people, I, I really, man, this is just a job. I don't think we actually do that good of a job. I watch a lot of my peers do bad work, uh, blah, blah, blah. And you need to know that you need to know that those are not people that would refer someone to you. Now, if you ask your whole team, they might all tell you that, but you need a relationship with your team where they would tell you, honestly, you know what boss, I'm actually seriously, I don't know that I would. And here's why that opens up an entirely new conversation where you can do nothing but succeed. And then your employees that actually want to contribute. That's the third one under employees employees that love what they do and that believe in your company and that follow an example are actually um, wanting to know what else they can do to make that better. They see you or they see others leaning in, contributing, getting wins, feeling better about everything, getting promoted. Well, they want to be the same thing. If you've got people that are sitting back in the corner, hoping not to be noticed, just clocking in, clocking out, that's just a worker. They're probably not enthused about you, and there's a disconnect. So it might have been a, a personal one-on-one problem you had, or it might be something larger where they're just not connected to uh, a belief that you both share. And I think you need to find that out. So you need to be the example. Find people who are tuned out and figure out why. Then figure out they belong on the team. Everyone belongs somewhere. They don't have to agree with what you do. But they don't need to work for your company if they don't believe it because they're not going to do that great of work. And your customers are going to recognize when your team are not 100%. They're, they might say, hey, they're 80%. Not great, but they're okay. They're average. you got to find that out. Uh, the next is your clients have to see the example. You've got to wow your customers. You've got to have authentic processes in your workflow that, that exceed expectations. You have to design that. That's not just. You know, just that's not one little thing. That's a that's a whole series of a lot of things. And it's consistent. You've got to wow your customers with a response time, uh, with everyone being in uniform, clean vehicles, call ahead, uh, transparency, invoicing them, communicating with them well. There's just a long list of things to wow them. I don't mean kissing their asses. Customers don't need their asses kissed. They need you to make a promise that solves their problem, and they need you to follow through with that. So you need to wow them because that's becoming rare that services, service-based companies actually live up to that anymore. There's so much mediocrity or less that it's becoming easy to stand apart now, and I, and I hate that. But uh, at least wow your customers. The second is, is just the same thing. Layer the experiences. Don't just let it be those in the office or the project manager that wows them. You need to ensure that everyone from bottom to top and top to bottom and all throughout wows your customer and layers that experiences from the first time you meet them, the first time you call the second day, the fifth day, the 11th day, you need to layer that up. You need to be doing what you say you're going to do and then do extra. Throw the, throw the gift cards out there for them. They were a great customer. Give them a gift card. Keep their email and put them on your newsletter and keep them updated about interesting things that are happening. Don't pitch them, but layer that experience and just keep going with it. Be the example. Again, not everyone's doing this, so if you are consistent with it, you're going to stand apart, and that's what everyone talks about in their market is standing apart. I would like to tell your clients, if you're doing these things, 
and they are wowed and they feel like that you're being authentic with the experience and you've layered them up, ask them for referrals. Let them know that you are a referral-based company, that yes, you have digital marketing. Yes, you have other ways to market, but your favorite kind of business is through referrals. And a customer that sees you as a professional, a true professional, truly standing out vastly from everybody else in the market consistently, always putting them first. Don't argue with your customer. Don't put them in a bad position. If you do all of those things, they will be a cheerleader for you and they will look for opportunities to recommend you. I'm that way. I think you are too. I think you know people in your market, in your world that you look for a way to recommend, whether it be software for your company, whether it be equipment that you use, it's so consistent and the service is so good that you want your friends and families and others and peers to do the same thing and get the same experience you have. That's being a professional. The next category is community. Okay. We've talked about customers. Community are your future customers. These are people who you are sharing space with in your area, in your region, trying to contribute to the wellness of your market. You actually do something. Uh, as a restoration disaster company that actually is a service to the community. Uh, you're not selling them Nike shoes or Air Jordans or whatever. You actually have a service that provides value, helps them thrive and survive, and maintains the value of their property, whatnot. It keeps them safe and healthy. Uh, so your community needs to know. They need to be watching you. You need to be involved. As the owner, leader, whoever in the company that is in charge of the brand, which, by the way, is everyone, but you need to make sure that everyone on your team knows that the community is watching. I mentioned earlier, clean trucks, uh, driving safely on the road. You wouldn't believe how many people get a bad reputation from their staff driving recklessly or thoughtlessly on the roads. That really, really, really bothers people. It says a lot about your character. When a public person, when a, someone in your truck is passing on the street or interacting with in traffic, when they are not a client and they're treated badly, that tells them that until you get their money, you don't care about them. And that's not good for your brand and your community. What you want is a community that uh, is watching you and that actually points you out as an example of check out that company. That's somebody we all would like to be about. Be the brand is the next one. We, you know, you are the brand again, that the entire community is framing maybe themselves on of how to be like, like look at that restoration company. They do, they do fire, water, mold, bio reconstruction, and they are so clear on what they do. And everywhere you look, they're branding themselves again, uniform trucks. I see them in parades. We see them speaking at events about information. Uh, maybe we see them, they have a YouTube channel. They have a great social media presence. Well, they're always providing uh, information, education about what it is they do. That's the brand. Your brand is how you present yourself all the time consistently. Your community should be watching for that. And then your community should be watching because you're talking about like you need staff right now. You're, you're always trying to build an all-star team. Your community and their vision of watching you can play a big part of that. We talk a lot here about 
allocating a lot of your marketing energy to building a team. It's great to get new leads. You must have new leads, but you also must always be putting the best people on the field when you get those leads and you need all the help you can get is they say that it takes a village. A whole village needs to know that you're looking for professionals that you're going to pay a great wage for a great job. And if you're, if they're watching, they already see that you're a great place to work. They already see you're wholesome. They already see how professional you are. So you're you, to be a professional, your community should be funneling people to you. Your employees should be doing that too. Your employees that work for your company now, they should have friends and family. They say, you know what? I'm, I love where I work. I would like someone here. I think, I think so-and-so that I know would be a good fit for our team. And the community the same way. You go to B&I meetings. You go to the chamber. And people, you know, they know you're hiring. They may come across someone who's looking for a great, great, great job in the trades, wants an opportunity, and they're going to think of you because you take care of your employees, you're proud of what you do, and consistent growth looks like opportunity to them. So I would say that would be huge. The next group that is always looking at you in, as being an example is your industry. And I don't know that enough people put enough emphasis on industry forward involvement, being proud of your trade, being part of its improvement, uh, fighting for the things that they fight for, getting behind initiatives that will improve the lives and the, and the companies and the space in which we work. A lot of people are trying to build their company, and I get that. There's only a small amount of time to do that as well as live life and be a parent or a father or a mother or whatnot. I get that. Um, I think running a really, really, really good company, improving the way that you run it, improving the people that work for you, allows you as the leader to fulfill what I believe is an obligation is to take a portion of your time and give back to the industry that gives to you. Um, we can't just be takers. So if the industry is, you know, if you want to start participating in more industry-driven events, maybe you want to be on a standards committee. Maybe you want to speak at conferences. Maybe you just want to even attend conferences and you want to help in a committee in a volunteer kind of way. There's no shortage of people looking for help with volunteerism. Not everyone is in a paid position, but um, get involved. I will also tell you if you, if you know, anything you do should have reciprocal results. If you're giving time in, you should be getting something out. So participating in industry events, should be an education for you as well. You're going to get around a lot of different people who think completely different or great at things that you might not be great at and that might want to learn what you are doing well at. So I'd say in the industry, get in there and educate and learn. So educate others and then learn what you can. So you're giving back, but you're getting something in return. And it's the perfect model of relationships. I will tell you when you start participating and industry-wide events, and, and as I just mentioned, giving your time, it opens up collaborations. It opens up opportunities to meet other people who might just need help on larger jobs, on new initiatives or something. But you, you get put into a position of being you know, asked to participate in some things that you might not have had the, exper you know, the experience in that no one would have ever asked you before. Again, 
There may be someone responding to a hurricane that says, hey, can, can you and a small part of your team and your equipment load up and come help us for three to four weeks? And that might be not only great revenue, but great experience for your team. So maybe identify if that's something you want to do again in the future. Uh, collaboration, someone may want to have you help teach a workshop in the regional area. Maybe where you're at, maybe you're in San Francisco and you want to speak to a lot of junior leaders. Maybe you want to speak to a lot of people at the local trade school about your industry and you and three other resources that you really respect get on stage together on a panel and talk about the opportunities for this. Do you know what the opportunity would be there? Do you know what the collaboration of doing that looks like to the public? These are the people I want to work for. These are people taking time out of their schedule, asking nothing from us as far as a monetary, telling us about how great it is they do, being proud of what they do, and maybe asking if we would like an opportunity to come and make a really, really great living and build a great future themselves. That's a collaboration. I think that is what a lot of people are missing. I will tell you myself, I have the 100x my career by always being available to contribute. I don't always feel like I have time to do it. There are times where I'm involved with too many things, and I ask myself, do I have time to do this? But then I remember what got me to where I'm at, what, what, wherever I am. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I've met some of the most amazing people in our industry. And I now know that if I could pick up the phone and call people who have resources I don't have, to help me achieve something that I want to achieve that I think would help all parties. People don't pick up the phone if they don't know you. If they do know you, they will. So show up and be honest. The last thing in the industry is growth opportunities. I already kind of mentioned it, but um, your company can grow. You get into the industry, you decide that, you know, maybe you do contents and there's a lot of people in your region that don't do contents. Well, now all of a sudden you have growth opportunities and you could do the contents for a lot of the local companies that don't. You're white label. You know, it's their job, their brand. But you're just helping out with that service that they don't have. The other is asbestos. There's a lot of those. Maybe someone doesn't do mold remediation. They don't do asbestos abatement. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a division that does asbestos. You can help your industry community locally by doing great work with that and have a growth opportunity. These are all things that wouldn't have come about if you don't open yourself up to the industry and they will not come about if you don't portray yourself as a professional. No one really wants to work with someone who's not a professional. The last is yourself. Um, be an example to yourself. This is simple, simple, simple. If every day you wake up and you know you're doing the right work and the good work, even if it doesn't make you money, you're going to have realizations of a dream. You have a dream. You need to make that dream apparent to everyone, and everything you do is driving towards that. And it could be a goal for your business, for your personal life, for your community, for your industry, or any of the things that I've listed today. But being a professional means having a dream. A dream-driven person is someone that most people want to be around. People don't want to be around people who don't have dreams and goals. That makes sense? So this is for yourself. Inspiration to more vision. When you are inspired, when you are being a great example and you're stacking your wins and you are super proud of yourself, and I'm, I'm being very selfish here, it opens up for more vision. 
Now, if I can achieve that, what else can I do? Opportunities come about. New visions come about from collaborating with your community, with your industry, with your employees and your clients. This all is just stacking to where your personal growth is and you get more vision. And then eventually, you know, be an example for yourself and for your company because one day you may want to set your company up for sale. You, you know, for uh, you may want to sell your company one day. So people are going to look at a company that is run professionally by professionals. If you don't have a professional business, if you don't haven't proven that you've got some worth in in you know in in character, it's going to have a big effect on what's the reputation of that company. What can I do with that? Maybe you don't want to sell your company. Maybe you just want to be an absentee owner. Maybe your currency is like mine, and maybe it's freedom. Freedom to have a company or a series of company that create wealth to allow you to have freedom. And that freedom is for anything. But this is, this is you know, you got to be an example to yourself. you got to be a self-professional. you got to hold yourself to that standard. Always, every day, always making the hard decision to say, I've got to do what's right, even if it's hard, even if it doesn't pay me, even if no one's watching. But I want to build something that's so great that I can build a business that people want to work for me, clients want to give us work, community wants to involve us in other things so that I can grow a company that pays me a check or a, a distribution so that I can do other things, whether they be profit or nonprofit. Maybe you want to travel the country with your kids or grandkids. Maybe you want to start a nonprofit. Maybe you want to do more teaching in the industry for free. You know why you can do that for free? It's because you've got a company that's paying you to do it. If you love to do something, you don't need to be paid for it, but you do need money. You do need money to live in this country. So you've got to have this professional character that can develop a company so you can separate the two. So. Those are just some of the things, but you've got to be an example. Um, your comments, and these are all just free, you know, free throwing these out there. You, if you're participating on the groups online, you got to be professional. You've got to be the example of that's a person of worth. He or she always is relatively positive, giving good advice, uh, even tells me what I don't want to hear sometimes, but warns me about if I come on asking a question about something or another. They give me their honest feedback of what they've done, but not chewing people out and telling, you know, just making people look bad, feel bad, and being a negative Nancy. Um, but just being the example of always someone who's trying to contribute, willing to take someone's call, willing to open up your business for a few days for another person to come in. That's a professional, and that is a person that will attract a lot of opportunities long before you even know it. So I really, really, really want to encourage you to think of this as, as this fourth part of our series wraps up is being the example. Um, and I think it's, it's giving more of yourself than you ask. Um, always, like I said, when no cameras are on. So, um, you do that, and I think that everything that you ever dreamed of will come to you as long as you're still looking for it and you're doing your part. Thank you for watching and listening to this last segment of our podcast. It's been great. It's been a great season. We've had some great guests, not as many guests as we normally do. I think we're going to pick up and have more great guests next year, but we've had a great season. 
a lot of our podcasts were more lesson oriented this year. We had a lot of feedback on that. So we're always evolving from feedback. Next year, we're going to change up a little bit again. We've gotten some feedback on what people would really desire to listen to in uh, podcast and content. We, we do a lot of content. We have a YouTube channel and we're always doing lessons or conversations about stuff. But how do we make a 40 minute to an hour drive be entertaining, actionable, uh, something that people want to talk about, conversation piece, make you think about something, maybe even trigger an argument, maybe even a debate. Start a debate is great. Maybe you don't agree with some of the things that I say on this podcast or, or me or my guests. I, I hope you don't agree with everything that we do, but we do encourage you to engage with some debate. And, um, let's have a conversation about it. Um, I am certainly never short on stating my opinion about things. And I know they're not popular. I know they're not, but they, they come from a place that I've been successful with and I want to see other people successful. I don't know everything. And a lot of things are unique just to me. I've been in some situations where uh, I had opportunities that some haven't. I I've had opportunities that were extremely outside of thinking of how our our industry looks at things. And one of them is how we run a restoration company. And I talk about those. Those are really big, big outliers, but they work. And I think the biggest thing is many people are so stuck in the way we do things that we won't try new ones. So I am going to be that person in this industry that never backs down from trying to challenge people to stop thinking like everyone else stop doing things like we've always done them except for the standards. Obviously the standard of care should be followed. If you have a better way, do it better. The standard is a baseline. If you can do it better than that, then do it better, but stop asking everyone how they do something, go out and do it on your own and be okay with failing. I got a message today. I'm going to bring this up to you. I've got a message from a friend here today. Success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Those that can handle failure and still get up and go usually turn out a whole lot better. Prove me wrong. Tell me you haven't gotten better from some failures, even if they were drastic failures. Even if they were drastic failures. So that's it for season two this year. We've had a great season of Disaster Podcaster. I would like to now give you a sneak peek of season three. We're heading into season three in January, and uh, we're going to take a few weeks off for Christmas and New Year's. New studio, new background, new, uh, you know, we're tearing down the brick or we're moving. You'll still see this. We have another place we're going to do it at. We're going to see some different formats, but starting out in season one, we had a great guest. I was away in Montana on my annual sabbatical. This is not really a sabbatical. I don't know. Can a week be a sabbatical? Uh, it was, but I go once a, try to go once a year for one week, relatively off grid. It's not always down by a river with no internet, but um, I go to a cabin in Montana just to kind of ride out and, and plan my next year. Well, this year just so happened that during that trip was the only window that I had with this guest. And this is a famous author. I had the great honor and, and, and opportunity to interview Mike McCallowitz. And you're going to see that entire interview 
next season on season uh, episode one. But I want to give you a few of the short clips from that. Mike McCallowitz is an author that wrote nine books, uh, entrepreneurs uh, type education, trying to really help people run a better business, have more freedom, make more money. The probably the most popular one he wrote was Profit First. You probably have heard of Profit First, which means pulling out your profit and making sure you make money and your company makes money first um, and stop working and being broke. Um, the other ones were Fix This Next, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, The Pumpkin Plan, Surge, and on and on. I really, really recommend you read. I've read all of his books, and I was so inspired and have been inspired and uh, grown from his books that I reached out and asked for an interview. This is a pretty big deal. This is a pretty big author. But we had a great half an hour to 40 minutes conversation and the guy really gets it. He really gets our industry and we had a great time. So I want to give you a sneak peek of our season three, a little bit of a couple of clips of our conversation with Mike McCallowitz. And then other than that, I wish you fond ado, Merry Christmas, happy holidays with your family. And we really, really look forward to seeing you next year. Next year, what I'm going to want to do is ask you to share my podcast with more people. I don't need a dime from anyone. This is, I just want more people to see the content because I think a lot of people ask questions on things that we answer right here. So this is another resource for some education to help our industry. I follow my own curriculum here and I want to give back to the industry. I'm not asking anything of you. I didn't pitch you one time here. I'd like you to share this podcast with your friends and people that you know, and maybe during their drive, it's something they would tune into. Other than that, Have a great holiday. Check out season number three opener, and we'll see you soon. There's certain foundational principles that I think all businesses can follow, but we also need to, at the same time, exploit our own uniquenesses. There's countless restoration businesses out there. If they were all the same, wouldn't the customer ultimately just go to the one that has the best price? And the reason, the thing is they don't. They pick on convenience, someone that that they can get access to. They focus on the quality of work. They look at elements that make us distinct and unique. Maybe you have a specialization somewhere or just the way your reputation precedes you. Those are all the elements that distinguish a business. So foundationally, some of the core elements, yeah, they need to be the same. But for us to get noticed, people judge the outside observations, and there we have to vary significantly, but be true to our own nature, who we naturally are. You know, business is an expression of ourselves, ultimately, I think. Yeah. Imagine you live in a community, and you're the wealthiest person by far, but everyone else is dirt poor. What's that experience going to be like? Well, you may actually become fearful. You may need to stay in your house. Like, I, uh, there, there's nothing to experience out here, and people may want to steal from me. And uh, that's a really horrible experience if that would happen. Unfortunately, what I see in so many businesses is it's my success and everyone else in my community needs to struggle. It's this me and not them approach. It's very more than competitive. It's, it's a scarcity mindset, I guess. But I like your positioning is, is when everyone's being elevated, you naturally go up with it. It's, it's a much more engaging experience. People want to and need to spend money with you. They have the means to do it because you've helped elevate them. And it just starts this upward spiral. And I guess that's the abundance mindset. I've read enough about extremely successful people, whether it's success, whether it be impact or even money or whatever it is, they were all major givers. It's a common yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Those selfish people, they hit a ceiling and people detested. They don't want to work with people like that. But if someone's yeah. giving a lot away, there's a natural attraction there. So, you know, and it, and it feels great. I mean, if you're the right kind of person, 
giving. It was awesome. Want to do? I think Walt Disney said we don't make movies to make money. We make money to make more movies so people can enjoy themselves. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I love, yeah, I like that. I, I like love that, that mindset.